Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal! Jason Giambi has done it. Alright, what's up? Episode 29 of Gap to Gap, and we got a great one on store. We just wrapped up our interview with At Stadium's 10, Brian Wilson, and and man, that was a great interview. But unfortunately, Matty P's not with us today, but we do have Real 7 Costanza. 7, what is up, my guy? Oh, you know, great interview with Brian. Uh, definitely, I think it's a cool journey, but... This is episode 30, Tommy. You're oh, I did that. Yes, you're right. You know you're what? living in the past. Hold on a second. I'm actually going to... No, but I'm going to leave it in. Episode 30. And, and <laughs> boy, how do I mess up on the Griffey episode? I was going to say, man, this is like... This is your episode. This you is my the, favorite player of all time. The kid. And the kid. And I messed it up. Boy, that's that's upsetting. That's you, hate, you hate to see it. Hate to um, see it. <laughs> sucks. Damn it. Um, <laughs> anyway... All right, uh, the winter meetings have wrapped up, and boy, it's been a fun couple weeks here. Honestly, this has been the most fun I've had following baseball. Honestly, I can't re- really remember the last time there was movement like this in the yeah. offseason. Like, this has been crazy, but it's been so awesome just like following everything. Every day there's been like a new, a new free agent signing or a new trade or a rumor. It's, this is like what you live for. I don't remember an offseason with this much movement of this big of names this early. Yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly, a And it's lot not even that, that early. Has... It's Christmas, but still. Well, yeah, but still. Like, when, we, when you look at the last, like, two, maybe even three offseasons, I feel like the blue chips don't fall until January at, at the earliest. Um, and usually the winter meetings are more like a, a table setter for what's to come. This year, True. this is it was just like bang, bang, bang. All the dominoes kind of fell, and every day was just something new. So the, I hope moving forward, this this is the model that you know becomes more, uh, I guess, re- repeatable in the future. Yeah, likewise. And and as uh, I mean, I put it in the 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 precursor into the episode last week. Literally, as soon as we were done recording, Garrett Cole, I'm just gonna say congratulations. <laughs> oh, that's, thank you so much. That's uh. <laughs> I, I didn't ask for anything for Christmas this year because I'm a I'm a good person and I just want world peace and Garrett Cole and pinstripes and I'm gonna get one of those at least. So I thought you didn't ask for anything because you were clearly on the naughty list. Oh no, not me. I'm 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 a very <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good boy. So no problems there. But yeah, thank you Santa for Garrett Cole for the next nine years and thirty six million a year. I think. Uh, the Yankees definitely got their guys, so looking forward to watching that for the next decade. Yeah, I, I mean, here's I'm, the only question I'm going to pose. Is he worth nine years after only having, realistically, two good seasons? So, I was thinking that, too, because I feel like recent memory just 
forces us to think about the Houston days. But I looked at his stats from Pittsburgh. On, like I think it was just him pitching in Pittsburgh that a lot of the exposure was lost. That's fair. Uh, he did have that one kind of clunky year where he pitched to a high three, low four ERA. Uh, but it did come out that he was injured. So I don't want to put too, too much stock into that. But you're, it's a fair point to make. Like, are you really resting the future of your franchise on this guy after two, re- like, good, really good years? Uh, but, yeah, it's a fair, I guess, point of contention. But at this point, I don't really care. I think the Yankees needed an ace and by any means necessary, and the Steinbrenners opened the checkbook and Cashman got his guy. I think his floor right now is CC Sabathia, where you get maybe three, four good years out of him, and then the rest he's kind of just – serving a purpose on that roster but yeah. still showing signs and and i'll tell you what if he turns out to be cc sabathia i think this is a successful signing for the yankees yeah i mean well i mean cc's a hall of famer uh i don't know about cole yet obviously it's way too early to tell but my whole thing is i'm thinking like looking at him this could be a lot like mike mucina too because mucina when he came over from the orioles not to say he was pitching 100 miles an hour with crazy spin rates like cole has but i i could see this kind of turning into another mucina where I think Cole's a smart pitcher, a smarter pitcher than a lot of people give him credit for. I don't think he's a guy that just rears back and throws as hard as he can. And I think that's why he got the contract he did, because he's just a good pitcher. Um, but I can see him becoming more of a crafty guy in his later years. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, Tommy. Like I think he could turn into the crafty veteran that helps the young guys come along in the later parts of the contract. But for where they have him right now as the ace and the unquestioned ace on that team, this is going to be fun to watch. All right, next signing is Rendon to the Angels. My guy got breaded up. Uh, yeah, I love I love Rendon to the Angels. Yeah, this was uh, for all the teams that are making their free agent moves. So I know the Angels, the whole thing was pitching, 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 and they definitely still need that. The Rendon signing fits a more, I think, immediate need for protecting Mike Trout. Because let's be honest, you can get all the pitching you want, but at the end of the day is you're paying your star player $400 million for the rest of his life pretty much to be an angel. You need someone in that lineup that can protect him and that can grow with him, and this is the perfect signing for them. I, I know they all want a Strasburg, they all want a Cole, and I'm not going to say that that wouldn't have helped them, but Rendon right now in the immediate is a perfect fit for this team. Definitely. There's not a doubt about that. And he, like you said, it's, a, it's protection for Mike Trout, which – Boy, now you put him in a lineup where he has somebody to like somebody has to pitch around to get to Trout. I mean, boy, like I think I think Trout's gonna see in, in a, a bump in his already incredible numbers because Same. of Rendon. Absolutely. All right, last one was Strasburg staying home uh, with the Nationals. Uh, I I like it. I think it's a good move for them. I like it a lot too, and it's funny. Like I never really thought Strasburg was going to leave Washington, especially after that World Series. Um, I just think he's just loyal to that team. And granted, he probably wanted that pay bump, and he got it. Uh, the record-setting deal for all of 24 hours and hmm. <laughs> so, before Cashman came along. But this is, a, this is a good fit, right? Washington has probably still the best pitching rotation in all of baseball, starting with Scherzer, Strasburg as a two, and then Corbin as your three. Yeah. So it's good for them. They don't have to mix up too much. From, and they're keeping a strength intact because I think the reason they won is because of the pitching. You can point to Rendon as being – he had some super heroics in the World Series, and no one's going to question that. But I think you need to Strasburg more than you need to Rendon, uh, especially from the national standpoint, wanting that big three intact for the next few years. For sure. 
Uh, the other thing that I point to with Strasburg is you mentioned the record in the deal. Katie Nolan of ESPN says it a lot with, with in regards to quarterbacks. And she goes, oh, well, this quarterback set the record. And it's like, well, yeah, because he was the most recent guy to sign. Exactly. And yeah. Records are going to be set every year. And I guarantee next year somebody else is going to be the highest paid pitcher. And, yeah. and, then, and so on and so on and so on. It's just the next chip to fall ends up setting the record. I think at a point Matt Stafford set the record for highest paid quarterback. Matt Stafford's still one of the highest paid athletes um, on an annual basis this year. So think about yeah, that. Exactly. Exactly. And Matt Stafford is not Steven Strasburg, famously. No. Uh. He, he is not. Totally different sport and uh, totally different position. But they do throw. They do use they their both, arms. Yeah. They both do the throwing of the balls. That is correct. That is true. Um, all right. Trade talk. One big trade uh done and we're not going to talk about it because my heart hurts we are going to talk about it Corey kluber heading to texas uh for emmanuel clase or classe i gotta look at the exact pronunciation of that it's classe classe that's not very uh, classe it's mis- mispronounce a name it wasn't very classe of me to not know the pronunciation of classe i honestly don't even, know the pronunciation so it's it even less classe of, ba- of baseball reference to not have a pronunciation guide of classe right so, he's pre-arbitration eligible. He's still on his rookie status. Uh, made uh, 21 appearances last year, including one start. I mean, guys out there chucking 101-mile-an-hour cutters. Mm. So, Indians fans, are well, they want to talk down the, the, the return that they got for Kluber. I'm not buying it. I'm just not. Dude. Granted. Class A or class or Clace or Klaus or whatever. Klaus. Emmanuel. Emmanuel here. Uh, he was the 30th ranked prospect in the Rangers system. So, I mean, let me ask you as a, as a non-Indians or Rangers fan, does this look like a salary dump to you, getting Class A, Klaus, Class, and Delino DeShields for Corey Kluber? Is it fair to say that Emmanuel Santa Claus is coming to town? Um, <laughs> little little holiday spirit there, but yeah. So first and foremost, salary dump for the Indians. There, there's a reason they were so heavy into trading Kluber, and I feel like they've been trying to trade him for the last two years now. So finally got the deal done. Um, I, you know, it's tough because Kluber was his value was at an all time low coming off the injury play season, but. When you look at rankings for prospects, and of course teams designating rankings for prospects, Clay's, Klaus, whatever, um, if he's 30th in a system, that doesn't mean that he's not a regarded prospect by any means. And I mm-hmm. think this is why the move is actually good, because you, you pointed it out, he has a lot of team control left, he's on a rookie status, he'll be pitching out of that bullpen for Cleveland for years to come, and if he lives up to the hype, then great, if not, the Indians dumped a salary from a 34-year-old pitcher who's past his prime. So I, I don't think it's a bad move for either team. The Rangers needed to get some asses in the seats. The Indians needed to build. And a small market team like them, they know the value of getting you know, high-ceiling high prospects into the fold early. And this is why I think they made the deal. Yeah, definitely. And, and you mentioned past the prime, and I'm guilty of saying that I famously wrote that he his arm hasn't been right since the, the Obama administration. He won 20 games in 2018. Oh, really? I did not even I did not realize I did, that. I didn't realize that either. He went 20 and 7, went eight like his last 3 years, excluding 19, so 18, 17, 16. 20 and 7, 
18 and 4, 18 and 9. Whew. And granted, we've talked at length about how the win stat is overrated. True. But I think that Corey Kluber is still serviceable in in Texas if he gets he- if he gets healthy. True. The question is, can he get healthy? Well, that's the thing, too, because he's coming off of an arm injury. It was a broken arm. so, And it's not like a serious thing like Tommy John where you have to repair UCL. But it is fair wondering because as pitchers get older and they're coming off an injury like that, regardless of what it is, is their stuff the same? Because realistically, in Cleveland, he's not the ace anymore, at least behind some of the other guys they have now. In Texas, he is, but that's more or less to fill a need. In, in Cleveland, he wasn't that, so... If you're Cleveland, are you comfortable paying him the most money on that staff, knowing that he's probably going to be your three at, yeah. at best? So, and I think that that also played a huge part into it, from just a logistic standpoint of saying, how do we justify this him being on the team with this salary where he is right now? So, I like the move. I think Clace is, you know, we don't really know, and th- this could be that stabilizing force in the bullpen that they definitely needed uh, after last year seeing what the bullpen went through at the end. So I, li- I like the signing a lot, or I like the trade a lot. Yeah, um, so full press coverage calls the Corey Kluber trade a combination of opportunistic Texas Rangers and greedy Cleveland Indians. Ooh, greedy. Greedy. This is strange to me. It's a weird way to put it. I don't think it's yeah. greedy. I think it's just two clubs matching up on a good deal. So. Oh, okay, wait. So they don't mean greedy in terms of players. They mean greedy in terms of we don't want to spend that 17 and oh, a half. Okay. Okay. So, so that makes sense. And it says the, the, the full press coverage.com puts it as to put this, to put it bluntly, this was an indefensible move from the ownership of the Indians to trade away. One of the very best pitchers in franchise history for essentially a bag of peanuts is an inex- inexcusable decision by the tribe. Hmm. So str- I politely disagree. I politely disagree as well. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm excited to see how, how, uh, Manny Claus ends up working out. <laughs> I like for, that. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see how his name's actually pronounced. We're it's so probably, wrong. <laughs> it's probably like Clace. And it's, just <laughs> it's, uh, it's not very Class A unless to not, it is not know how class to say a. it. So. It is not Class A at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, looking around at the trade market, besides the one that's done in Corey Kluber, uh, Lindor, another Indian, potentially on the move but with the Kluber deal now Indians looking to maybe back out of that trade and and not as willing to trade Lindor uh, as the Dodgers seems to be the suitor and the Dodgers seeming to shift their focus to Mookie Betts instead yeah so I think there's there's a a couple things going on here with them trading Kluber I think they don't you don't want to put the white flag up at all and I don't think they are if they trade Lindor if they get the right pieces back but at the same time, the, the AL Central is by no means a powerhouse. I know the Twins had a really good year last year. I think that was a lot more of a mirage than an actual sustainable model. Um, I think the Indians still have a chance to, to rebound big. And you need Lindor in the fold because you got to score runs. And that's been one of their big bugaboos for the last couple of years is them scoring runs. Uh, the pitching can be what it is, but Lindor is kind of the, he's the catalyst there. So if he's healthy and he's ready to go, then that, that makes them that much better. So I think for that reason, you're probably not going to see the Indians aggressively try to trade Lindor. Uh, from the Dodgers' perspective, yeah, Lindor was definitely a more attractive piece in terms of just years of control left. And I think that's probably why they were looking at him first. But the Betts deal, if that were to come to fruition, 
So, in my opinion, the Dodgers and the Red Sox are the biggest losers of the offseason so far. Uh, both teams did not make any big moves uh, or any moves that I can really speak to. I know the Red Sox signed Jose Peraza, which is going to go over like a fart in church. But I think both these teams need to make a move, and both of them match up better than the Indians or the Dodgers do. I think the Red Sox need some draft capital. They need some some prospect capital. They don't have that right now. They, they're not going to be able to pay bets realistically and have everyone under co- contract moving forward. The Dodgers on their end, they need to, they, they got to win. Like they're in a position now where they need to win the world series because they can't keep doing the same thing where they get to yeah. the playoffs and, and they don't capitalize. And I think adding a guy like Betts can't hurt. Uh, you have two MVP candidates on the same team with Bellinger and Betts at that point. So honestly, that's, that's probably the biggest reason. But in my opinion, I think, the bets to the Dodgers makes a lot more sense than Lindor to the Dodgers. I would agree with that, and not just because I'm being selfish about Lindor, but I think that it, it just Mookie Betts just makes more sense from a player perspective. Yeah, and it fills a, a bigger need for the Dodgers today with outfield help rather than just kind of ripping and replacing Seager for Lindor. I Definitely. think Lindor is a, a better player than Seager, but you don't have to move Seager if you don't want to, so... There's, there's that aspect of it, too. What other names are out there right now? So, for my Yankees, uh, the rich could get richer. Uh, Josh Hader has been floated around as a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, hey, just reporting the facts here. Uh, but I've seen Josh Hader. I've seen some outrageous trade packages that have been posted on Brewers Twitter, which I honestly want to test them for insanity. Uh, because there's no way it happens. The Yankees would never trade Luis Severino and Glaber Torres to get a reliever. <laughs> so Milwaukee. If what about one or the other? No, there's no way. There's just no way. You you would not you would not trade the cornerstone to your team in Glaber Torres, and you would yep. not trade a guy that you just signed to a team friendly contract who is potentially an ace for the team without Cole anyway. Uh, there's no way. I can see a deal coming together if the Yankees were to package Andujar. Davey Garcia, and maybe Clint Frazier with another throw-in. I could see that happening, maybe moving the needle. If it gets down to the fact where the Brewers are asking for one of Severino or Torres, I think Cashman hangs up the phone. Yeah. All right, last thing before we get to our interview with Brian Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Manfred's at it again. Oh, he's just... Yeah, I don't know, man, and... I'm glad we, we got Brian's thoughts on this, too, because it made me kind of change my tune. But I've just been so, like, against everything Manfred's been saying recently. And... I think I think what Brian, and again, you'll, we'll get to it. You'll hear it in the Brian Wilson interview. But not that Brian Wilson, as much as I wish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll, you'll hear him talk about it. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to be that job when your job is to please 30 billionaires. But I think I can still not like what you're doing to my game. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because the minors, are, it's such an, it's so impactful because it's so easy to follow baseball and be able to go see games where, you know, you can pay $10 for a ticket, have a great seat and watch a good yeah. baseball game. And it's, it's good for the fans. It's good for the development of prospects, obviously. It's that being in place. And you can really kind of follow the journey of players that you're keeping tabs on. Um, it lets us as the fans kind of be scouts without having to deal with being a scout where... We can make our own opinions on something or someone in the minors and follow that journey. Eliminating that just it takes a lot of the mystique out of baseball, in my opinion, because now it's just 
it's it's like the NFL where all right if they get drafted they're going to play immediately like I, I don't know how it would work that's the thing and I think that's why the minors are so I think it would water down the product yeah and like Rob Manfred Rob Manfred's talking about finding a quote-unquote new minor leagues or developing a new feeder system so to speak the XFL but, for baseball yeah I mean I don't know what what the answer is here and it's going to put a lot of people out of jobs which sucks yeah no, not it's... not just players. You got to think coaches. You got to think the, the scouts, GMs. I mean, I, I have a handful of people that I interact with on a day to day basis. Just from from in my coaching circle, that'll be out of a job because of this. Yeah, and man, that it's, sucks. It's not it's not a very positive story right now. So I'm really hoping this doesn't happen. I think we got to get into it. Get into it more next week when Maddie P is back, um, and maybe even bring in El Jefe and have it have a nice little round table on it. Um, and actually, thinking that out loud, it's a good time to announce that there won't be a next week. Next week will be our best <laughs> of episode. Best of Gap to Gap. It's been 30 of these bad boys, and we're going to give you the highlights of them all in a Christmas-wrapped episode. And then after that is is something I'm really excited about, the Gappy Awards. Oh, yeah. So how do we want to do this? Do we want to decide... Yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into how to sell, how we're going to promote the Gappies, how we're going to decide the Gappies. Uh, so stay tuned to at the underscore breakdown for that. Until then, we will uh, catch you on the other side of this interview. Brian Wilson, he's 10 stadiums in 10 days. 10 stadiums, 10 days.com. Here he is, Brian Wilson. All right, we now welcome on our guest. It is uh, the man who is a high school journalism teacher by day but a two-time cancer survivor by night. And not only that, the man who's uh, got an outstanding blog, you know it as 10stadiums10days.com. Like we said, two-time cancer survivor, all-around American badass, Brian Wilson. Brian, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. and, And, I mean, man, you just have an incredible story and it's all documented so well in your blog. It's 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 a fun read. Like I said, ten stadiums, ten days dot com. Uh, you, you've traveled the country. You've seen twenty four of the thirty stadiums. Yep. So I gotta ask first, uh-huh. which one has been your favorite? I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, bet, I bet everybody asks you this softball question. Yeah. Here. It's um it's 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 actually really interesting because I've I've discovered as I talk to more and more people about it that's a question it's a question that you can uh, easily make people angry by uh, depending on how you answer it and there are uh, people in certain cities who are much more sensitive to it than others I do have a list I have sort of a ranking in my head um, I usually I use I think the same term you do I I think about it in terms of like my favorite places to be which is not necessarily I think the same as like the best ballparks mm-hmm. um, so I I feel like it makes it a little more personal to me I always rank um, Fen- for me I always rank Fenway number one and Wrigley number two only because those are uh, there's just such a drastic difference between seeing a game in each of those. Uh, which I think are just baseball shrines, cathedrals, um, and seeing a game anywhere else in the country. Um, so I, I, to me, it's it's a, it's a tricky question to answer because I, I always kind of go in that direction. Those are that if I if I was able to like drop everything and go see a game in the middle of the summer. If you're asking me where I'd want to go, it always would be Fenway or Wrigley. I'm not a particularly huge Red Sox or Cubs fan. 
Um, but I love both of those places. Beyond that, um, the, of the of the other ones that I've seen, um, I always kind of gravitate towards Camden Yards. Um, I think is just okay. a stunning park. Um, I had seen it this past year, uh, this past summer for the first time, um, and uh, it, it's it's sort of the uh, the the original template of the new style of ballpark. You know, the kind of the open. Uh, the the more sort of patio areas and um, and uh, a lot of different parks have replicated it. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed my time at Camden Yards, particularly because the team is terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was there on like a Tuesday night in June. It was pouring down rain. They were playing the Blue Jays, which which is another not spectacular team. So it wasn't. House. Yeah, it, I mean there weren't a ton of people there. <laughs> Uh, and it was still like the the people who were there were passionate about it. Uh, the people who work there were incredibly nice and welcoming and accommodating. And you don't necessarily get that everywhere. Sure. Um, to, so to me, one of the things that I actually sort of base my enjoyment of stadiums on is even when the team is terrible and there's maybe not like, uh, you know, optimal conditions, is it still an enjoyable experience? Because I think they're all, all 30 of them, if the team is great and the place is packed, it doesn't matter where you go, it's an awesome experience. So that's, right. you know, it's it's easier, I think, to judge actually when the teams aren't that good. I can totally understand that that train of thought too. Because, yeah. you know, when the place is rocking and, and, and the energy's off the walls, every stadium looks good. Right, right. But... It, you know what you said. What is it like when the teams are terrible? Yeah. Who who's had the best fans that you've come across, and the friendliest fans, or however you want to uh, phrase that? Yeah, I'm. Uh, okay, so I I grew up in Detroit. Uh, was a Tigers fan for for still am a huge Tigers fan. It's it's tough to be a fan of that team right now because they've they're so bad. But um, <laughs> um, I'm not, I've now. Um, I wouldn't say I've switched my allegiances, but I am. A, I'm now. I mean, people know on Twitter. I'm a huge A's fan. Um, and I don't, um, I don't have the same sort of uh, local Bay Area, Bay, Bay Area biases that some people have, where it's like if you love the A's, you got to hate the Giants, and if you love the Giants, you got to hate the A's, which sometimes happens around here. Um, I feel like because I'm a little bit of an outsider, I've been here for five years. Um, I, I sort of just waited. Like it took me a couple years, and I was like, I kind of like the Giants, and I kind of like the A's, and then all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, the A's put together a team that I was like, this is a team that I, I really connect to. Like, they're, they're gritty, and the uh, Oakland actually is a lot like Detroit in a lot of ways. There, there's a real kind of blue-collar mentality to it. Um, and the fans there are awesome. Uh, like, I, uh, I've been now to probably 20 or 30 games at the Coliseum, and the Coliseum is a dump, and I, I don't – like, I, I would never try to convince anyone that it wasn't a dump. But the dumpiness <laughs> of it is – so endearing to people and the fans that are there are just uh you know they're like uh they're they're genuine and the passion that they show is is awesome so it's a little bit of a homer answer i think but i i really do um you know i've and i've got i've also gotten to know some of the people uh pretty well at the coliseum there's there's a really kind of friendly vibe to it and so that's a place that i really love to go see a game just because the fans are are great Definitely. So, so I guess yeah. I, was I, I have a question though. So, so 
Sure. This could ruffle some feathers yeah. on, uh, in the baseball Twitter let's, sphere. Let's do it. So first, I, I, I connected this because first of all, I'm a Yankees fan. I live in Boston. Yeah. So you can imagine what my life is like in the summer. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I try to make it down to Yankee Stadium once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister lives there in the city, so that's always a fun experience. But from your, I guess, outside looking in, when you go to Fenway or Yankee Stadium, what's been your perception on, on both sides, yeah. just from like an outsider's perspective? So it's all it's always so dependent on, you know, it's like one person's opinion on one particular day, right? So. Right. Uh, you know, I've I've been to uh, I, w- I was at a game at Old Yankee Stadium uh, when after my son my son was small, so I don't I mean, it's been what ten or twelve years since they opened the new one, yeah. um, and I went to a game at Yankee Stadium this past summer. Um, there is a um, there's a certain mystique to it. Um, I didn't love the stadium, uh, and I actually got that vibe from a lot of people, even in New York. Um, I got this sort of sense. Uh, I first of all, I heard a lot of people who were like, "I actually love. I, I think city. I love going to City Field more than I love going to Yankee Stadium." I heard that from a lot of like local wow. New Yorkers, <laughs> and not and and uh, separate from the fact that of whether they were Mets fans or, or Yankees fans. Um, sure. Uh, Yankee Stadium was probably the hardest place for me to actually just. Uh, have conversations with people in the stadium, which is a thing that I love. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm in and out. Like I, you know, my whole, my whole shtick is like 10 stadiums, 10 days. So like I'm there for a day. Um, I try to like make friends with people as quickly as possible. There is a, you know, New Yorkers, we you have this certain, some of it's stereotype, of course, but you have this certain sort of uh, rough exterior um, and a, 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 a level of just like, who is this guy? Like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Right. Um, which, which for me was frustrating because I wanted, I like to just want, like, wander from place to place as much as possible, and it was really hard for me to find people. I found if you if you read my Yankee Stadium blog, I found one guy, uh, like at the end of the game, I was kind of walking out, and there was a dude sitting in the very furthest seat you could possibly sit in the entire stadium. I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to this guy, and he was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it was cool to see that. Uh, but in general, you know, I went, if you compare it to, I'm a Midwesterner originally, if you compare uh, New York to, like, uh, I went to Milwaukee. And uh, Milwaukee this summer was like, the tailgating's crazy. And you wander around and people are just like, hey, how's it going? You want a beer? Uh, and, you know, like, why don't, <laughs> you, awesome. co- why don't you come hang out with us? Time. Yeah. And I know that, you know, that's, that is not what... Yankee Stadium is known for, right? It's a different vibe. And it's not necessarily my vibe, but I kind of get how people are sort of into that whole thing. And, you know, the, the the playoff stuff that happens where, you know, you hear about the fans, like, heckling people in ways that a lot of people are like, that's eh, kind of over the line. You know, I get it. Like, I understand sort of like that's just the way they are, but it's, it's not totally my thing. Um, Fenway... Uh, I, I liked a lot, actually. And I'm not particular. again, I, I don't gravitate towards the Red Sox or the Yankees more than, you know, they're, they're, to, in my mind, they're both sort of just, they're not, they're not my teams. Um, but at Fenway, I found that I had a lot more opportunity to interact with people who were there and wanted to talk about the game. And I, I just didn't get that at Yankee Stadium. But again, you know, you could have a lot of listeners who are like, well, he's only there once and he, you know, he just had a bad experience or whatever. And it wasn't even that bad. I still, like, I enjoy every stadium I go to. 
Um, I don't. Right. I, a, a terrible day in a in a ballpark is better than your best day, you know, at work or, or whatever. Um, How are your students gonna feel about that? Well, story? yeah, I know. I should I should have <laughs> I should have censored that a little bit. No, and I and I love my job. I'll get that out right away. Like I love it. But obviously, like there's. You know, there's nothing like, even even when you're at a ballpark and you're like, eh, this isn't my favorite park in the world, I still would rather be there than just about anywhere else. So Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. So to follow up with that, you know, you said you kind of bounce, you know, from, bounce around when you're in the park. What's your routine? Do you, are you, a, like, as soon as the gates open, I'm in there kind of guy? Or, like, what, what, what's your, what's your uh, yeah, what's your routine? Just yeah. So, um I, I have a season ticket package for A's games, so I go. I've I've been going to about 20 games a year, so that, so it's a little different there. When I'm on a trip, um, and I'm I'm on another one. I, uh, my plan is for April now. I'm going to try to do a spring break trip, which I haven't done before, and I'm a little worried about weather because I'm I'm going to try to go to Minnesota and Detroit and Kansas City in like early April, Ooh. and uh, I don't care if it's cold so much. I just want I just am really hoping the games get played. Yeah. Um, so, um, so some of it is dependent on like just the logistics of the travel, because um, there are places where, um, you know, a, a two summers ago I was heading from uh, Seattle. Let's see, I went from Colorado to Seattle to San Diego, and I had it sort of planned out so that I was going to get to San Diego. And I had actually contacted a sports reporter ahead of time. I kind of had it in with a, one of the beat reporters. And he was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get you a pass. You can get on the field for batting practice and hang out and get up to the press room. That's and then, the, awesome. the, which was which would have been great, but the flight was delayed. Uh, so I ended up, like, getting to the game basically as it was starting. So some of it is just dependent on, like, I try to figure out the travel to give myself enough time to, like, get to the city and do some things ahead of time. Uh, you know, I was in Philadelphia last summer, and I got there. I think I t- had taken the bus from Boston, and I got there pretty early in the morning. It was a, like an overnight bus. I couldn't find a place to stay in Boston, so I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to, like, t- like get on the bus at midnight and sleep on the bus. And I got to Philadelphia early and get, had enough time to, like, just tool around town and, like, go, like oh, there's the Liberty Bell. And, like, I need to – where's the – where can I get the best cheesesteak? And, you know, do some fun things like that before I got to the game. And then other ones – I'll be jumping off the plane and like figuring out how to get to the the ballpark as quickly as possible before the game starts. Um, as far as like my routine at the game, um, I I definitely like to see it from a lot of perspectives, and in some places that's easier than others. So I naturally gravitate towards stadiums that are that have an open plan, um, you know, that are um, uh, that aren't necessarily like nope, you can't go there. Nope, you can't go there. Um, I, I want to be able to like talk to a bunch of different people in a bunch of different places. And I also find when I started writing the blog posts at the beginning, it was more sort I didn't really know what to do. And so I was kind of writing about like what's happening in the game. And I'm sort of like, nobody really, like if they care that much, they're going to just read it online. Mm-hmm. So then I realized, you know, the, the whole key to this is talking to the people who are actually there. So I spent a lot of time talking to ushers and concessions people and just fans that, like, I, I'll just sort of, like, find an open spot and sit down in a place. And if I see somebody, especially if somebody's, like, keeping score, um, I'll kind of, like, slowly, sort of in a creepy way, kind of like, uh, let me see. Maybe this is somebody who's going to say hi. And I'll say hi. And if they strike up a conversation, which often people do at baseball games because they're just – I think everyone at a game is just in a good mood. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you just end up having conversations with people. Um, and eventually I get to a point where I'll just be like, you know, this is the person that I want to write a story about. Um, so a lot of it is sort of personality profile based. 
you know, meeting people at games who have been fans for 50 or 60 years, or, you know, it's the first game they've ever been to, or they remember, you know, going to games with their dad when they were a kid, or, you know, like finding stories like that, that I can tell is, is my goal. I obviously want to watch the game. Like I, I end up watching a fair amount of the game, but it's also like I feel like I want to test out the the ballpark and and you know I the con- I, what are the concessions like and what are the restrooms like and wh- you know are there enough drinking fountains and you know like just kind of just some of it is is like routine stuff that I just like to see to be able to compare and contrast later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so one of the one of the last questions for me. I know Brendan's got a few on deck, mm-hmm. um, but so. You know, I've, I noticed in, I mean, you and, and really Marlins Man are the most notable guys that, that come to mind for me <laughs> when I, I think of, you know, guys that travel different stadium to stadium. Yeah. Uh, who do you think would win in a fight, you or Marlins Man? <laughs> <laughs> I, man, I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, I, uh, you know, that guy, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would, I'd beat him in an arm wrestling match for sure. <laughs> So, there we go. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's, that's going to be our headline. <laughs> and I don't know him, so you'll hopefully Stadium's that's okay. 10 says he'll beat Marlon's band. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you this as a follow-up to that. So sure. Marlon's band obviously has the Marlon's gear. What's going to be your – so how can we point you out at a baseball game? Are you going to start wearing just breakdown gear if we send it to you? Yeah. That's a good question. Hey, if you send I, – I am I am by no means a fashion plate. So if you send me clothes and they fit, I will wear them. Uh, so that's a for sure. Oh, that's a done deal um, then. <laughs> I, I actually – it's <laughs> it's an interesting um, question because I'm, you know, I'm an A's fan. And so I, I have a lot of A's gear that I wear to A's games. Um, but I uh, – and there's a couple – I think I'm going to try to see the A's in Minnesota this year. So I'm like, well, I could I could pull that off. And I don't think Minnesota, you know, people in, in Minneapolis, I don't think are going to be super upset about that. Um, but um, for the most part, I try to be, uh, like, neutral and inconspicuous. Like, I have a – I used to teach at uh, George Mason University. And I, so I have a George Mason hat, which is like, okay, that's, like, not affiliated with any of these places that I go because I don't, I don't really want to – I don't want to, like, be seen as sort of like a homer for a particular team when I'm on a trip. Right. And I also don't – like, I thought about before – I usually – like, the only thing I buy when I go to a stadium is a, is one of those little pin, you know, like the commemorative pin for the stadium. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the only thing I can – I carry a backpack with me for 10 days. That's all I take. Um, and I – you know, it's like I'm not going to get a shirt at every stadium or a hat or whatever because I just don't have the room to do it because it's like I'm on and off planes – and I'm in, like, the cheapest Airbnb or hotel or, like, a friend's couch or whatever that I can find. And most of the time I want to be able to bring my backpack with me, like, actually into the stadium because I have my laptop with me and I want to be able to, like, do some writing while I'm there. Uh, so that gets a little tricky too. So I, I really – I pack light and I wear, like, the same kind of gross clothes for, like, a week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, then I got – so – Obviously, the Marlins band stuff is, is in great jest, yeah. but to, I guess, to fit with what you're trying to do with these stadium visits, with the MLB starting to expand and get more international, uh, the London game last year kicked it off with the Red Sox and Yankees. I think this year's the Cubs and the Cardinals, I want to say. Are there any plans for you to start going international or like the promotional games, yeah. like Field of Dreams? Right. 
I haven't heard I, since the initial Field of Dream stuff. I have not heard anything more about tickets. Is that? Do you know anything? I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything about tickets. I've seen like like pictures of them building the stadium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's all I've seen. That's one I would. I mean. My my wife even and she's my my wife Lee and my kids are like super supportive of all this. My kids would not want to do like, you know, they want to go sit on a beach or like hang out by the pool. So like we do a lot of cool, fun vacation stuff like that. Like they, this to them would be like, are you crazy? I do not want to do this anyway. <laughs> well, you could bring up the Tampa or Arizona I could do that. Yeah, yeah, Lake, yeah and right. They have the pool and Chase Field. Right. So we could do some of that, and we get to yeah. a, we get to a fair number of games as a family. But this, um, you know, I am gonna. Uh, Ideally, this summer, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I think I'm going to run out of stadiums. Um, I'm going to see, I have six left. I'm going to see, if everything goes right, I'm going to see four of those on this trip and just have the two Miami and Tampa, the two, um, Tampa Bay, sorry, uh, the two um, uh, Florida parks left that I might try to hit at some point during the summer. So part of me is like, once I, it's like once you complete your bucket list, the items, like, okay, what do you do now? You know, I'm like, right. I'm, I'm 40, yeah. I'm 45 years old. Uh, I, there's plenty more to do in terms of like this, like I, I love doing the blog and I love having people read it and I, and I love interacting with people on Twitter. And a lot of it is sort of independent from like me having seen all 30 states. Like I haven't even done that yet anyway. And I'm by no means an expert, right? Cause there's, there's people who travel to stadiums, I've met some people who have who do this way more often than I do, um, and so um, there there will be points where it's like, okay, that Field of Dreams game sounds cool, or uh, you know, I've thought a lot about minor league parks, and I've thought a lot about you know where do I go from here in terms of, you know, do I just start repeating? Uh, does the whole ten stadiums ten days thing like I basically just I made it up, like it's kind of a gimmick and it's kind of cool. And people are like, you do what? Like you, like I force myself. Like I have to see ten in ten different places in ten days. Um, but it's it's all like in my head, right? Like I I could cheat on it at any time, and I'm not really cheating anything because I've just made the whole thing up. So um, you know, <laughs> some of it is just like I'll I'll keep traveling and and keep seeing different places. But I, I do think the minor league route is probably somewhere I'll go, um, if for no other reason to kind of. It's easier to fill in some of the ten, right? So it's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's getting crazy. He's like, yeah. I, I, I have yet to meet anyone who's like, I tweeted about this the other day. Like, I, don't, I haven't met anyone who's like, and then Rob Manford, he seems like a really nice guy. Like, literally, <laughs> never. It's just like he is the devil, and he needs to go. And I'm I'm not that fired up, but yeah, he's got some really weird ideas that I just I'm not sure are good for the game. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, awesome. Well, I was so, gonna ask you too. What's what's your thoughts, Manfred or Goodell, right now? Oh God, uh, that's it's a tough one, huh? That's a pick your poison right there. I yeah. <laughs> I I think um, you know I I think about this sometimes because people have such extraordinarily passionate opinions about both, but particularly about Manfred. And I, I, I sometimes am sort of like, it's, it must be really hard to be the commissioner of a league and have people actually like you. Like, I'm not yeah. saying he, I'm not saying whether he's doing well or not doing well. I'm just saying, I think anyone in that position, it's almost like you're, you're, you're part of your job is people will hate you. 
Um, and that's that's got to be really, I think, tough to deal with on a regular basis. And you, you have to be a certain I could I know for for me, I like to be liked and I like to have friends and I like to just have pleasant conversations with, with me with other people. And I just I wonder sometimes like I could not do that job, you know, and of yeah. course you've got to yeah, get a good point there. It's it's hard. You know, anytime you're in the like his part of his job is to please 30 billionaires. Uh, it's like you, the common person is going to hate you if your job is to please 30 billionaires. Like there's no way around it. So I don't, but at the same time, you read about some of the stuff that he's thinking about and you, you just kind of wonder. I will say this. Um, I, uh, I don't know that – I don't think I'm a baseball purist. I love baseball. I've played it from the time I was five years old. I played the game, loved the game, obsessed with the game. Um, I, I sometimes try to get people to – recognize that when somebody suggests a change to the game, it doesn't mean the change is going to happen. Uh, and I have these conversations with my students all the time where it's like, you know, we can have conversation. You, you can hear out somebody's plan for something and think like, that sounds like a crazy idea and I don't want to do that. But just because they're suggesting something that feels wacky doesn't mean it's actually like imminently going to happen. Um, and I, I do think sometimes we get sort of wrapped up in like 90% of the things that people say, this is a stupid idea, aren't going to happen anyway. You know, there, there are some that are, sure. that get through, but when they, people say like, I can't believe they're doing, they're trying this out. And what, what, what is it? The American league, or I forget what the league where they kind of try all this stuff out, you oh, know, and yeah. like, Ooh, and talking about the Atlantic league. Atlantic league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, they're going to, you know, like yeah. moving the mound back by two feet or it's like, that does seem dumb. But I'm also sort of like it's probably never actually going to happen. So wouldn't you wouldn't you just be interested to see like wouldn't you want the data? Like even if the data is like, yeah, we tried it and it turned out it sucked. Like I'd rather have that than not ever actually even consider it anyway. So I don't know. That's just me though. True. All right. So so one alternative here, you, you, instead of minor leagues, I mean your most recent your most uh, recent blog post is you want to see. Go see Bob Dylan. Yeah. Ten, ten concerts, ten days? Yeah, I've thought about that. I'm actually in a band, too. I play, oh. I play drums in a band, and I've floated the idea with the guys, like, over the summer. We could do play, like, ten shows in ten days uh, and blog about that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot. Like, you can, you can fill in the blank on a lot of things with that and go in a lot of different directions. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite Bob Dylan song, real quick? My dad's a huge fan, so I gotta ask. Uh, we play "Don't Think Twice." Uh, okay. We play a version of that. It's like the Mike Ness kind of sped up version of "Don't Think Twice," but I love playing that song. Uh, I've always been a sucker for "Tangled Up in Blue," uh, so I think that's a great one as well. I, I'm a huge fan. I, I love what he does. Uh, I know people get on him for weird things, but <laughs> you know, and his show is like you have to know what's happening. Like you have to know. It's like this guy's 75 years old, and he want he's gonna mix up every song and never play a song the way you want him to play it on the album, <laughs> and you just have to be okay with it. And it's I, I it's great. I couldn't agree more, and it's yeah. funny. My first, so my first concert when I was like twelve, yeah, uh, it was Bob Dylan at the Orpheum in Boston. My mm-hmm. dad took me and my brother, uh, my brother and I. Sorry, Brian, I know your teacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we went, and you know, I'm twelve. I don't really know what's going on. I start smelling some of the uh, sure the double lettuce, and I'm yeah. looking around. My dad's looking at me. He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna smell some fucking face tonight." And, <laughs> He, de- he did not get up from the piano the whole night. Yeah. He just kind of, he remakes all the songs. Like, he played like a Rolling Stone, which is kind of cool. But, yeah, I mean, it's, the stories I hear about him, it's just, it's hilarious. It's great. I think 
If you were to mix Bob Dylan with, with some baseball, I know you get a fan of my dad right there. All right. All right. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so you've done two of these 10-day uh, trips. you got your third one planned this this spring, you yep. said. Yep, yep. Uh, I don't. I'm not seeing Cleveland on the list. When are you coming to Cleveland? Because I think we gotta have a beer. Brian. <laughs> well, let's do it for sure. I am 99% positive that Cleveland is on the list for this coming trip. Um, okay, perfect. It's um, it's it's funny. I started the blog project just two years ago. You know, when I went to, when I did the first 10 and 10. But I had been to some places before. Like I've been to a game at Cleveland uh, probably 15 or 20 years ago. I was at a game there. Um, and, uh, and, and really enjoyed the experience, thought it was great. So that counts as one of my 24, but oh, I, definitely. but I haven't actually, cause I've been there, but I haven't actually blogged about it. And there's a couple like Comerica Park, obviously I've been there a million times, but it was before the blog project, um, Angel Stadium, uh, in Anaheim and, uh, Phoenix, uh, Chase, I think it's called in, um, mm-hmm. in Arizona. Those are four that I'm going to hit. Uh, this spring, along with Kansas City, uh, Minnesota, Toronto, and Atlanta, those eight I'm going to see, four of which, the last four I mentioned are four that I haven't been to before, four that I have been to but I'm going to blog about, and then I'm going to hit A's games, I think either on either end or maybe two A's games at the end. The A's are playing the Yankees the Sunday I would get back, and then the Red. they start a series with the Red Sox. On the Monday uh, that I go back to school, so I'm kind of like I'm just gonna do eight and then count those two as the as the fulfillment of the ten. So I will be in Cleveland. I'm looking forward to it. And yes, let's definitely get together. Definitely. So all right, we got one more question for you. It is the Seat Geek question. Uh, go join Brian on one of his trip on one of the trips and, and go catch a game with him. Put in promo code Breakdown. Get ten or twenty dollars off your first Seat Geek purchase. That's promo code Breakdown. B R K D W N. Brian. The question for you is if you could go back through the 20 days on the two trips and do one of the days over, and maybe it was just a bad blog, a bad mood, or a poor experience at a park, which one of those days do you think you would pick? Hmm, that is a good question. Uh, the one that I really wanted to like more than I did um, was uh, Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. Hmm. Um, it, in part because, like yeah, it's it's a weird one. Uh, honestly, the you know, in terms of the question, like uh, Pitts, I saw Pittsburgh. I love Pittsburgh. I saw Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee. I love Baltimore. I loved Nationals Park. I saw the Nationals when they were awful in June. They were just uh, Zach Grinke almost no hit them in June, and I that was at that game, and it started pouring down rain. There were like by the t- I stayed the whole time. By the time the game was over, there were like maybe two hundred people left at the stadium. And I'm like, this team is going nowhere. They're just awful. At the time, I was like, I think this is the worst team I've seen on the trip. And then they win the World Series. Um, so, uh, but in terms of like where I'd want to go back, I, I really, um, I, I wanted to like Guaranteed Right Field because it's uh, the White Sox. I've, I never was particularly a White Sox fan growing up, but I again, I like that sort of blue collar vibe. Um, that you know, there's a definitely difference between Cubs fans and White Sox fans. And I think the White Sox fans are more in line with sort of uh, Tigers fans that I'm, I connect with and A's fans, obviously, that I connect with. You know, there's a different sort of vibe at the stadium. My problem was I didn't realize when I got there that I bought a – I always try to buy a cheap seat and then, again, kind of wander around as much as I can. But I bought a seat in the upper deck, and they, they literally wouldn't allow you to wander around the stadium in the lower deck if you had a seat in the upper deck. And that really? – 
bothered me so much that it <laughs> it it really negatively influenced how wh- how I thought about the experience going to that stadium. You know, and I th- yeah, I and say. I think I would have had a, a much better. And then of course it ra- it rained on almost every stop of my trip um, this past one, but uh, you know it was rainy. And it was kind of gross, and it was cold. And but they were playing the Yankees, and they were c- just clobbering the Yankees. It was like nine to nothing. Sabathia started, and it was like nine to nothing after a couple innings. And um, uh, I was like, you know, people, it it was pretty well packed. Like it was, uh, you know, I was expecting not a big crowd. And when I got there, I think obviously the Yankees played a part in that. There was a bigger crowd. I just wished I would have had a better experience at the park than I did. And that, so I guess that's the one. Definitely. Fair enough. And then before we close here, Brian, just for our listeners, what's the best way that people can donate to your charity and how can they find you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, um, the, the, my blog site is 10stadiums10days.com. It's T-E-N, not one zero. So 10stadiums10days.com. Um, I uh, probably need to put some of the, uh, the uh, charity information on the blog site. But the other way that most people connect to me anyway is via Twitter. Um, I'm at Stadiums10, uh, at Stadiums10 on Twitter, uh, and my pinned tweet is uh, uh, a, a chance for people to donate to Stand Up to Cancer. Um, I um, am a two-time cancer survivor. Um, I was diagnosed first uh, about seven or eight years ago, and then again about five years ago. I'm now five years clean. Uh, and, um, the first time I took this trip, I just kind of did it. And again, I was kind of fumbling through and like, I don't know what I want to do. And then the second time I was like, I want to like give this a a more of a purpose. And so, um, I connected with stand up to cancer. Um, they, they, I'm not like, uh, like officially endorsed by them. I don't have any sort of deal with them or anything, but I was just like, I'm going to raise money for this. Um, when you go to charity, uh, rating websites, they rate very high in terms of the percentage of dollars that actually go to the charity, uh, over the course of the trip between Twitter and people helping me out on my Facebook page. I, I was, uh, up close to about $3,000 in money that I raised and that's still, it's still open. So if people are interested in chipping in, you know, 10 bucks or 15 bucks or, or, or want to be a part of that, or just want to help out, uh, I'd, I'd be grateful. You know, it's, it's the type of thing that I feel a very strong personal connection to. And I know my family does as well. So if people want to help out with that, they can go to my at stadiums, 10 Twitter page, and then just see the link to it right in my pinned tweet. Awesome. And I can't really imagine any one of our listeners is going to be super opposed to giving to a, a cause like that. So, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, and you can count on the breakdown to, to donate what we can. Uh, obviously, great cause. And we were super impressed to hear, you know, 10 stadiums, 10 days. And I think this is just this is just a great way to do it. So hats off to you, Brian. Hey, I appreciate the time. It's really been great talking to you guys. I really appreciate it. This is fun. Let's do it again. Definitely. Absolutely. Brian, thanks so much for having us on. Again, he is at Stadiums10, and you can find his blog, 10stadiums10days.com. Brian, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Big thanks to Brian. That guy was awesome, man. That was such a fun conversation, Seven. Yeah, that was awesome. I, honestly, like, I kind of want to do something like that as well, uh, and it's just a new appreciation for really going out and visiting different parks and different stadiums and getting to interact with different fans and me being a, a Yankees fan, I could probably use that in my life. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think every baseball fan that, that, that is die, die hard about the game has that mentality to be, to do all 30 stadiums and for him to do it, do literally a third of it in a week and a half is incredible. 
Yeah, 100%. So hats off to Brian. Hats off to Brian, and hats off to Brian's story, because, man, that guy's awesome. Yes, he is. Definitely going to have to have him back on. Definitely. He will be the first recurring recurring guest in the history of the breakdown, unless uh, a steroid scandal pops up and we got to bring Porter back. <laughs> That's true. Biogenesis 2.0. <laughs> so uh, I'll talk to you guys next week because I'm going to have, have a small speaking role in the best of video, or not video, wow, uh, episode. But we'll definitely talk to you guys in two weeks. Uh, for the the Gappy Awards, make sure you guys uh, tweet us what your suggestions for Gappy Awards are. We'll tweet out the nominees. Your job is to let us know your thoughts, and that will help us decide uh, who's taking home the Gappies. Seven, get your tux. We're going out. <laughs> You're gonna live stream it from the Chili's? Oh, don't tempt me with a good time. I could use that. <laughs> Until next time, he's seven. I'm Tommy. For Brian Wilson, for Maddie P, for El Jefe, for everybody at the Breakdown Sports, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. See you.